Women, you are the queens of our nation, the mother of our home, the pride of our children, a light always left on. You are refined in your ways, a woman of substance, substantially phased by her everyday conscience. A conscience to live in a way that uplifts not just her home, but the home of her brethren. Styled as a graceful woman on her throne, empowering lives to be filled with pride, hope, love, beauty, nourishment, soul, faith. Bring your ears closer now and your mind will explode and be inspired by the words of Cover Mode. Assalamu alaikum, good day and welcome to Cover Mode. I'm your host Rashan Isaacs and I'm back for another season of your favorite fashion, beauty, style and lifestyle show Yeah, on Cover Mode. This season we'll be changing things up and focus more on topic-driven discussions around the industry. So if you feel there is a burning topic that you'd love for me to discuss, then send me an email at Roshani, that's R-O-S-H-A-N-I, at styleafrica.co. And as always, if you are on social media, do follow me on Instagram, Rashan Isaacs, or Twitter, Skylight RI, or Facebook, Cover Mode, where you can like and comment on posts. Of course, I'll remind you of all of those handles again later if time permits. So let's just get into today's topic and discussion, which is retail versus boutique versus pop-ups versus home studio and i'm sure that each of you have been to either all or at least one of those uh concept stores or retail stores fashion by definition is about change and we've seen amazing transitions in consumer or client retail offerings and that brought me to think about our retail clothing shops the rise of boutiques pop-up boutiques and home studios and even e-commerce and to help me get through the discussion we have joining me in studio today the executive director of the south african national fashion council anita stanbury the owner and founder of Homemade, Leila Bardin-Taylor, or is it Leila Taylor Bardin? We'll ask her later. The owner and founder of the recently opened boutique workshop Modesty and designer of the Infinity Collection, Nashita Joseph Kamish, and designer and owner of Human Image, Aisha Ali. Hello and welcome to the studio, ladies. Hi. Hi. Okay, obviously that high is going to take a different high in a short while as we get to introduce probably, let, let's just start on my right-hand side with Nashita. Just to briefly, and I know there is no way that you can tell us what you do in a nutshell because these are very, very busy ladies. But if you can just briefly give our listeners a hint of who you are and what your company does. Shukran Rishan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. And to all our non-Muslim listeners, good afternoon. Shukran for having me on the show. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I started as a fashion designer probably, I think, seven, eight years ago. Um, fashion was always in my blood. It comes from my late grandmother, my great-grandmother, my mother. It's been in my blood. I always said I didn't want anything to do with a cotton and a needle growing up mm -hmm. and going through high school, but I think as fate would have it, my destiny was written mm -hmm. for me already. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I always turn to because of, because of being a woman and wanting to dress. And 
with you with being able to design and manufacture your own clothes you have that opportunity to change when you want you don't have to buy in stores you can just you have that carte blanche to do what you want so that is how the infinity collection came about and after having the label successfully for about four or five years um, it needed the the platform to grow a little more where we can provide our customers with a more retail shopping experience and that is how workshop modesty was born it is a collaboration of designers who have similar interests where they have a customer base and they're wanting to give the customer the opportunity to come in and buy and at any given time, mm -hmm. six days a week, where they're not curtailed to maybe just waiting for a market or something. Okay, to that you effect. just answered a couple of my questions already. Okay, sorry, yeah. Rishi, I don't have to go. So I'll stop there. That's my rational <laughs> introduction. <laughs> Anita. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's so nice to be here today. And uh, having a look at where do I come from, um, <laughs> that's, that's quite a long question. But uh, to give you a little bit of a background, I spent 10 years in manufacturing. I spent two years in retail. I spent nine years in clothing and textile academia. Um, I ran my own uh, cut, make and trim business. I worked in government doing clothing and textiles. And now I head up the South African Fashion Council. So I love the clothing textile fashion industry. Uh, it's definitely in my blood too. I also <laughs> started at a very young age uh, making clothes. I mean, I made my own matric dance outfit and oh, um, oh, wow. and learning to make patterns from body measurements mm -hmm. and yes. being able to, as you say, make something that you know nobody else is going to be wearing yes. is mm -hmm. a wonderful thing. So I think it's really great to be with everybody here today. Brilliant. Thank Thanks, you. Anita. Leila. Asalaamu Alaikum and hello, everybody. Um, well, I've come from the clothing industry, the clothing manufacturing industry. I've spent, I've spent 15 years in this industry. I've actually studied under the School of Business and Design at CPUT. Um, but I've digressed to actually focus on the processes because that's where I've become more um, an expert at. And this is where our business actually focuses not on the design side. So I take, give the credit to the designers. Mm -hmm. That's their expertise. I'm not a fashionista. But I do focus on the business process. Um, and that's how Homemade was born. We look at the concept and all the stages of the business processes leading up to point of sale. And that's the difference between um, what we do and all the others. Mm -hmm. Aisha. Uh, Assalamu alaikum and good afternoon. Uh, I'm Aisha from Human Image. I also don't have any fashion background. I've always been in corporate. I've did uh, my I've studied retail also at CPUT. That's where I actually met Leila from Homemade. <laughs> um, and then I also carried on doing my BCom marketing via UNISA. And I worked in corporate with training and development for about eight years. And in that time, I've always been hustling with clothing in the corporate industry. So eventually, with all the entrepreneurial energy that I had, I decided to, to start my brand because of the passion that I had for fashion. I know that's very corny, but anyway, <laughs> that's the truth. Um, and ultimately, the brand is something that is it uses the clothing industry or the clothing um, element of it. But mainly you know with the with the turning and development came in the side of me was about creating an ethical brand so mm -hmm. it was all about making sure that the people that's under the banner of human image was was really just being part of something that where they could be creative and we carry on with uh, empowering people and using the clothing part of it where we're actually telling our people that you know it's not just about buying the superficial mm -hmm. end product it was also about supporting this person that made this or beaded 
this. This is directly where your money is going to. And, and right now we're busy building a program as to what the people has actually accomplished with being with Human Image for the last seven years. And eventually we're going to be launching it probably early in 2017 um, as a fully conscious brand. Oh, very exciting oh, times yeah. and exciting really things exciting. happening. And I know how brand loyal or ethical in you you basically live and breathe um human image uh aisha but i've really had the the pleasure or the honor if i may say to work with each and every one of you or in some way or another and um that is why they're here today because i really feel Mm -hmm. they are the experts in terms of the kinds of questions that i'm going to be asking today if you would love to call in um during our discussion you may on zero two one double four two three five three zero or on our sms line on four seven nine one three and if you'd like we now also have whatsapp and that number is zero seven four Oh, wait, sorry. I have just lost that number. See, I'm still getting used to the number. So for now, just use the SMS and the... Oh, I've got it. Thanks to my technician. 072-238-0712. Thank you so much. So marketing, advertising, and the general hype have sped up fast fashion, making it even faster. Is this high speed, and this is going to be pointed at you, Anita, is this high speed killing creativity and quality in the fashion industry? I don't think so. I think actually this high speed, as you call it, fashion, the fast fashion, (laughs) quick response um, is going to create an even greater awareness around individualism of design and about having design that's unique Mm -hmm. because Previously in fashion, um, it used to be about copying. So especially here in the Southern Hemisphere is we would have designers uh, copying off of the Northern Hemisphere, going and buying samples Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. and bringing them back to South Africa (laughs) and ripping them off. And that was considered design. Whereas now we actually have to understand what it is that consumers out there want and be able to iterate designs into what our local consumer market wants to Correct. have. Correct. Uh, and uh, that, th- that might have been our problem for all these years, is that we'd been looking out and looking mm. at the latest trends when, as South Africa, we are extremely unique, culturally diverse, that we, we sort of, you know, exactly. are now voicing our, our, our fashion requirements mm. to, to our designers. Do you think the same applies for retailers, mass retailers? Um, do, do you think quality has dropped some, somewhat? Um, I think it has. I think quality has dropped um, where a lot of uh, retailers have maybe lost the plot. They can't keep <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> well, and, and that's exactly it because they're not able to keep up because it's not a methodology that they've used previously mm, yeah. in order to design products. So mm-hmm. they, they've worked on a cycle whereby they could copy, whereas now they're having to have unique design. And I think oh, that's the yeah, challenge yeah. Um, that we now need to, to bring designers to the fore. And I mean, that's one of the major reasons why I'm so passionate about the South African mm-hmm. Fashion Council because I think we really need to use fashion as a catalyst yes. for creating jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can get amazing designers that we already have in this country uh, to not only be working uh, for independence but also to be working for retail design, mm-hmm. we can start to use that as a catalyst to doing job creation because the minute that you start to design a garment within South Africa and here in, in the Western Cape, yeah. we all know how big our, our clothing industry used to be and yeah. how do we get it back up to that again mm-hmm. um, by using great design? 
line. And it means that we can then turn it around and start to say we've got amazing product, but we need to get it into the market very quickly. And we can only do that if we have local manufacturing behind right, the yes. local design. Oh, spot on. <laughs> so while we have some retailers who are using either poor quality or sometimes unethical um, methods to meet the demands of this fast mm -hmm. fashion, um, so while that poor quality and lack of creativity is flooding the market in, in that sense, consumers are turning toward unique, bespoke and customized garments, like you've mentioned, creating opportunities for design entrepreneurs who generally cannot keep up with that fast fashion. This has enabled the shift in the market whereby smaller emerging and unknown designers are, or some unknown designers are creatively executing the client needs over consumer demand. Hence the reason we've seen the rise of pop-up boutiques, trendy markets and bespoke e-commerce sites, um, which are building the success of smaller consumer and client markets, allowing designers to manage their production output of quality-based garments rather than on consumer demand. So I'd like my guests in studio to verify the success of um, these pop-up and home studios. Having just come from a pop-up over the weekend with Rough Tongue, Anine Hens and um, Isabel de Villiers, Leila, you run a pop-up boutique. What inspired the creation of these pop-ups? Well, the, the difference between what we were trying to create f uh, from a market and uh, the pop-up boutique concept was um, it's a full experience for the consumer. And you need to understand the consumer dynamic in terms of what is it that's going to draw, because this is a different shopper, it's a destination shopper. So what is it that's going to draw your consumer to the event, the retail event? And that's why we're focusing on specializing in retail events. Firstly, um, you I also need to understand the designer product mix, but we also need to understand the consumer. And consumers are looking for new type of experiences in terms of shopping. And what are you able to offer them in terms of this shopping experience? So, and also, um, are they being overwhelmed with product or how are you um, merchandising the product to them? You need to understand these things. Now, for me, the whole brand concept was based on local entrepreneurs and designers and the concept is to actually give the consumer the unique experience so um, in terms of pop-up I think it increases the opportunity for designers in terms of distribution without the outlay that they have to have mm -hmm. in terms of a brick-and-mortar um, space um, they can also focus on online and build the client lists for online so there's a lot of opportunity with pop-up without the heavy um, capex required in terms of retail mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that it's uh, with each one come opportunities and this is just an extension on that opportunity with a pop-up you're able to take your brand to the consumer mm -hmm. and still create a unique shopping experience for them wonderful thank you Nashita you recently opened up a boutique but you also have your own clothing life what led to this move Roshan, it was the what Leila just mentioned now, bringing the the garment to the consumer. Giving, I did not have a home shop. That was that was, yeah. I think, maybe the core of of. You went straight. To yeah, the I went straight to the <laughs> boutique because I needed to give my clients my garments, and I needed to do it on the proper platform. And not having the home shop, um, and I did markets for a while, but I did feel that with the markets, you sometimes flustered the consumers flustered with all these different um, little little um, 
shops within the market and they're not able to actually choose sometimes because they're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So with, with anything, if there's too much of a supply, you kill the demand. And at the same time, each designer needs to be recognized for his or her own individuality because that's exactly what a design is. It's an inter interpretation of that specific designer's personality and that comes through in your designs. So that is what led to workshop modesty and it's, it's given me as well as another few local designers and not just clothing. We've got um, lifestyle and niche products. We even have someone coming on with, um, with bath um, products as well. All home-based businesses that want to put their, their products out there and allow the, the, the customer the opportunity to just walk in at any time of the day, um, have a look. If they don't like it, they can just leave again. But that's how it was born and that's where the idea came from. Interesting. And then let's not forget about the home studio. Aisha Ali, designer of Human Image. How does a home studio benefit the customer of going to a retail store or any of these outlets? Okay, Rishan, when we just started as Human Image, we were in a little boutique. Um, it was a beautiful little boutique in a nice, the Bavadia village, and it was lovely. People were coming in, they got to know the brand, and they, they understood the product. It was a good way for us to get exposure into, like, here's the brand, mm -hmm. here's the people. What, what is it going to do? <coughs> and as we were working, we, I, my vision was really to just to have a home studio. And I met up with someone who was also looking to do the same thing. We then collaborated and um, she brought in some imported things and I was doing my local collection. And she then turned her, she had a very beautiful home, so she turned the front part of it into a beautiful plush boutique, carpeted and everything. We then launched, um, and we also did a little bit of a pop-up when we launched. So we, this was about eight years ago. We had clothing, someone with clothing on board and ourselves. Um, and then our, we started just doing appointments. And people in the beginning, was they were very intimidated by the whole appointment um, structure. But we kept going. We kept it consistent. Eventually, we had no, our clients wouldn't have it any other way. We would literally just do an open day for marketing or just exposure. Our clients wouldn't shop under that kind of shopping um, mm. conditions. They were so used to coming in, getting dressed, getting styled, putting on whatever they like. Sometimes they would be, they'd say, oh, you know, I go to a store, like a, any, any chain store, and I would never have the, have the courage to fit this on. And yeah, they had that opportunity, and they were now able to explore different designs and actually see that this, I, I didn't need to just go to that particular A-line dress, or I, I could actually fit into something else. And we've built the brand based on that. And now, today, I've eventually um, merged my home studio with my workshop, which makes it a bit easier because now if someone comes in and they want to tweak or they need to leave now we can we can quickly do it for them as well um, so moving forward we would look at a boutique or something as but an add-on I, I guess you you also have the best of both of those yes because yes. you, you actually are in a boutique yes. as well so you you've sort of balanced yeah. yourself somehow um, and, and which leads me to the, the next question, because you've sort of also touched on it a bit, Nashita, is how does serving a client versus serving a consumer differ? Um, for me, the client is someone that's going to come in that's going to be looking for something that is timed, something that they, it's more of an investment, something that is, 
you know, not it's not just about the purchase. It's it's about the experience. The the consumers looking to buy. Yeah. Consumers looking for products that they can buy. I mean, sometimes consumers have this uh, like a big stack of things that they've bought online for the sake of buying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just there, not dressed up yet, still got the t- tag on. So a consumer is just looking to buy, and a client wants service. A client wants to be able to know. Look. Um, how is this going to feel? Why is this made for me before they leave? They, they, the end result is them buying and they're going to come back because of the experience that they've actually had. So the boutique that um, she was speaking of also creates that. So when someone comes in, they're not just looking for one thing. They're mm-hmm. looking for a complete lifestyle experience. Just to add into what Aisha is saying, um, when we set up, set about to open the boutique um, and in the design process, I was very lucky. I had a landlord who gave me carte blanche because the, the shop ha- had to be redone. And he allowed me as much input as I wanted. He allowed me to create the space that I needed because I told him it's a boutique. Mm-hmm. I don't want concrete, ugly walls. <laughs> yeah. I wanted something that's going <laughs> to split a warehouse. No, I didn't <laughs> yeah. want that. I wanted um, open trusses with exposed um, ceilings. Yeah. I wanted um, creed stone on the walls that's just been glazed. I wanted a wood look um, floor, um, natural Presentation floor. Presentation. So, yeah. so, so these are all key elements to create that feeling that, the, that our clients are looking at. Because yeah. like Aisha mentioned, you get the consumer and you get the client. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, we have we have both walking into yeah. the store. We have the client who comes in who doesn't want to be assisted. Yes. Um, sorry, we have the, let me phrase it differently, we have the consumer who comes in and she doesn't want to be assisted. She just wants to go and look for what she wants and then she wants to leave. And they, But generally we have the clients who come in and they look for that, that personal assistant. Yeah. They'll say, um, I'm actually going to a wedding and I'm looking for something and what do you have? And then because we've got five different labels, we can show a, we've got this. And then mm-hmm. that's also product knowledge of each designer and, and having to yeah. upskill our assistant so that she knows how to read the client and what to offer the client. And it's that service that we as designers, that we try to give our clients so that they come back. So we're not, like you mentioned, Aisha, we don't just want to sell them something and yeah. they leave and they never come back because they were unhappy with the service and the purchase. Yeah. We want them to come back and say, you know what, I love that and I, I like what you're doing and that's what it's all yeah. about. Okay. And uh, you work with all of these people (laughs) (laughs) i do and it's very interesting having you know listening to this discussion um because i think you've got a a lot of different consumers um out there and as you say a lot of a lot of consumers are just the i want to rush in buy a dress Mm. and rush out again um but i think it's very interesting to understand that there are consumers out there Mm -hmm. who want that unique feel they want Mm. to know that they're special and they want to know that they're going to get something different from just walking into a large Mm -hmm. retailer and i think that's exactly what you are talking about today um because it's it can be quite scary having a pop-up shop um having a, a home store because you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily a destination that a normal consumer mm-hmm. would go to. So you have to be very confident about the market that yeah. you are addressing mm-hmm. um, when you have uh, either a pop-up shop or you have a home store because it means that you know that consumers are going to seek you out. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to, uh, you're not just going to be part of, uh, I happen to be shopping and while mm-hmm. I go past pick and pay, I, I'll pop into you and, mm-hmm. and pick yeah, up absolutely. something. So it is about knowing that you, you're creating something so unique uh, that you've got consumers who actually want to come and be your clients. And I think that's the understanding is who is your market? Mm-hmm. And it's a critical element of any designer. I always say to designers, do you know 
who is your market and who mm. are you designing for? Mm. Because creating that experience that you were talking about in your store is exactly that. And, and even making sure that your product is unique, um, yes. you know, whether it's human image or whatever, making sure that you know who your consumer yeah. is because they're the ones who are going to make that that choice to take some of their disposable income and spend it on the beautiful products that you're creating. Yes. Great. Stay Definitely. with us. We'll be back with more after the break. Styled as a graceful woman on her throne, empowering lives to be filled with pride, hope, love, beauty, nourishment, soul, and faith. This is Cover Mode. Welcome back. This is Cover Mode. I'm your host, Rashan Isaacs, and we have Aisha Ali of Human Image in studio, Leila Peterson. Ah, sorry, Leila Peterson. <laughs> Leila Bardin. I changed, don't tell your husband. Change your surname. <laughs> Leila Bardin of Homemade, and Anita Stanbury, the Executive Director of the South African National Fashion Council, and then also Nashita Kamish, and I'm going to leave the middle part out. Joseph Kamish. They see, yes. I remember. It's so many long names. <laughs> but we need to. I know how it is. You know, our husband also needs the recognition. So we'll say that again. Ashita Joseph Kamish, okay. um, who has both uh, a boutique, which is a modestly, workshop modesty, and then also uh, the designer of the Infinity Collection. And before I continue, I'm going to read one of these um, WhatsApp messages that have come through. Uh, Salam, I'm a fashion designer and would like to get more exposure. Uh, she does fashion wear, matric ball dresses, wedding dresses, and lots more. But she needs to know how she goes about it. Um, she does most of her I do most of the boutique clothing but need to do my own things and have my own label just need a bit of advice can any of you advise what does she do okay. if she wants <laughs> to get more exposure? What is the process of someone who you, you've never met as well? I mean, there's mm. that as well because you don't actually know what exactly. they're creating. Exactly. So you need to find out, um, you know, th there's, a, there's also a lot of, of individuals out there that um, are not designers but are actually dressmakers. Yes. So it's understanding the difference guy, between dressmaking yeah. and Sometimes designing. Sometimes they don't know the difference. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, but that's fine, you know. Yeah. And it's to understand um, where you fit into this value chain mm -hmm. that we have but um, if the, the person who sent the message on WhatsApp is based here hopefully in the Western Cape then most probably the best would be to contact the Cape Town Fashion Council yes. as mm -hmm. the, the regional fashion council that we would recommend, the South African Fashion Council would recommend that they deal with and at the moment the acting CEO of the Cape Town Fashion Council is Kerry Lee Bell and you can get hold of Kerry um, on Kerry at ctfc.co.za Is that Kerry with double R? K-E-R-R-Y at ctfc.co.za And they're based at Workshop 17 uh, at the Watershed, 17 Dock Road. Um, and you can also then uh, get hold of Kerry once you've emailed her and she can have a discussion with you about where you fit into the fashion value chain and, and how the Cape Town Fashion Council could uh, potentially assist that person. Great, there's some Great. helpful info <coughs> there for you. Um, thank you so much for sending that WhatsApp. I hope that we've responded to your question. But just following that as well, from a boutique perspective, you obviously go through a curation, uh, curator, you know, curated process. How, I mean, very different markets. Um, Leila, how, how does your curation process work? Well, um, firstly, we need to look at, and what we've, the, the, our concept was, obviously it's got to be a locally branded product. And this is where, um, I think sometimes there was a bit of confusion with our concept versus other uh, uh, pop-up 
events and so on. We're looking for designers who want to retain a brand image in the market and then also um, promote their brand awareness. And then lastly, conduct sales and increase the distribution during peak periods. So we weren't going to be based um, uh, in a fixed location and we were going to move around. And that this would also increase the exposure and also give them the opportunity to test um, the product in the market. Um, so we have a website and um, uh, all brands, established brands are able to um, apply through the website for the next event. Um, it's on www.homemadecpt.co.za and designers are um, welcome to send through the lookbooks, the, the brand logos, the social media handles and then we will decide and we add them to the list. We do uh, curate the list uh, to a point and we then approach the designer when we feel that it would work within our next events product mix and um, to participate. Wonderful and then who do you think will survive in modern in the modern fashion world? Designers who continue to express themselves while serving a small circle of clients or those who run a large business catering to retail outfit, outlets? Um, maybe we'll start with Nashita. I think that's um, that's twofold mm -hmm. because um, it if you're a designer you're all about individuality and you're not wanting to be swallowed up by retail shopping where you're just going to become commercialized and that 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 individualism that comes through your designs is not going to be there anymore because it's commercialized now mm -hmm. so your label may go out there and 10 to 1 you're probably going to have um, a panel of designers now designing for you, pattern makers doing things for you, and you may not have that personal input anymore because it's become commercialized. It just isn't that time. Whereas if you stay a designer and you stay in sort of the pop-up boutique or even just the boutique itself or the home shop um, um, sphere, you can maintain that sense of individuality which and this is what um, I find clients are looking for. They don't want to be dressed in something that 500 other people have of in the rest of South Africa. They they like the fact that there's only going to be seven other people possibly in Cape Town and what's the odds of you walking into one of those people in the mall? So that's what a lot of our clients are looking for and we try to maintain that. Mm -hmm. I think I... <laughs> Anita, you wanted to... Yeah? Uh, well, I think it's, it's actually quite a, a challenging question as yeah. well because <laughs> I think as a designer, absolutely, you wanting to have your uniqueness but it's also remembering that you're designing for others and not for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it's not necessarily something that you would even like that you're designing, but it's something that your consumer has to mm -hmm. like. And, oh, and yes. that's always a challenge for a designer. And of course, for me, the, the biggest passion of why I, I do the South African Fashion Council is because I want to see design creating jobs. Mm -hmm. And um, and I do get concerned if um, designers are not wanting to grow their own market. So, you know, th there's, about, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a fine balance mm -hmm. between having a niche market mm -hmm. and wanting to grow that niche market mm -hmm. to include more consumers that have a similar need for a similar uh, design of product. So it may not be formal, large <coughs> retail, um, but I do think it's about how do you get the message out there? And I think using social media better, um, mm -hmm. understanding how to, how to engage and communicate with your consumers will help uh, to even get those niche designers to be able mm -hmm. to access the markets and grow 
jobs in this country on the back of amazing design. And that, that, and that takes you to a whole other yeah. discussion. We'd have to bring a whole yeah. other you know, lot of people in when we talk about marketing and communicating mm. your brand yeah. to the right consumer, your consumer. And just following from the question I, I've, I've asked them, um, and, and the fact that, that Aisha, you, you have your home studio. In our multicultural world, we are looking for individuality. How do each, um, how do, how do each of you manage to appeal to that individual? So in terms of your designs, how do you appeal to your individual client? Because you work more on a client basis um, with your few consumers that hear about mm -hmm. your pop-ups now and then. Um, how do you appeal to that individual? Um, it's been a long, you know, it's been a long study. And because I'm not s specifically behind the machine or mm -hmm. I don't do any of the sewing, I just do the design and, and the styling, it's given me the opportunity to actually study the market quite intensely. And I found that, um, that over the years it was really just understanding the woman's body firstly to be able to see what a, what a woman want and also moving forward also uh, being able to see that you know s certain people ha that have a certain body shape literally tend to go to certain designs so being able to know that if I'm going to have somebody that's going to walk in here that's going to be a size 36 up these are the type of designs that they'd be interested in so we design along those lines for those size um, mm -hmm. curves and then when we're looking at a small so we're not going to take something that a size 32 person is going to wear unless it's a very basic thing and just make it through the board so it, it helps us to distribute across our our rails um, in order to know that when somebody has that then they can they can gravitate to these particular styles and we try to have a variety of that um, I think it was very interesting what Anita mentioned in terms of me when I started it was very niche it was very like you know what I'm just making a few of this I'm just making mm -hmm. a few of that and as we grew over time especially after the f the first after the five-year mark um, it's become a point where you know what we're ready to jump in the ocean now and we uh, we're not going to necessarily necessarily sorry it's the reason here that's making me a bit <laughs> um, um, we're not going to necessarily make a, a, a thousand of one thing or become like mass production but we're going to increase the volume of what we're doing to go across a bigger board right. so ultimately we we're going to be ready for for a bigger market share and and I think that was the interesting part when when we eventually just kept on studying the market and understanding what clients wanted and and turning our consumer into a client and not worrying that when we say the word consumer we think thousands and when we use the word client we think fewer yeah. we've actually just transformed it and thought you know what there can be millions of clients people are turning to to wanting something that's a bit more special mm -hmm. I don't just want something off the rail I and there's more of those kind of people that that are out there um, so I think human image is ready to take that on um, for now and and we would love to actually get in touch with the SA Fashion Council because I think we we kind of have common thoughts we with the client and consumers concerned mm -hmm. or yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, that sort of seems you know you, you mentioned you have this passion for fashion that is a common thread sitting yeah. right here <laughs> we all have that fashion and most importantly for South African fashion and but You've all now spoken about, you know, the retail aspect and the pop-up boutiques and the boutiques and where, you know, from your point of view. And as a designer, as a counselor, <laughs> as a representative <laughs> of, the, uh, of the council, uh, who actually makes the rules, dictates or governs in fashion? 
consumers. Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to answer that, but I mean, it is yeah. clearly, clearly the consumer because um, without the consumer, you know, fashion would not be recognized as a global market. Exactly. And um, with definite fashion needs, requirements, and set guidelines, otherwise we wouldn't know what we were, we, yeah. were going to mm -hmm. be um, creating for, that, for them. Um, and then in our... Uh, do we still need great talent in the fashion world or is it okay to just professionally run a good fashion design studio with several designers working for you? And I think we mentioned, you know, from a point of uh, working and I think the f previous question we had is uh, who will survive the large businesses or the individual designer catering to a smaller group of people. So now do we still need great talent? Because if you think of who your consumer is, I mean, you have your, your different income levels uh, or Alison measurements of consumers mm -hmm. who are not necessarily going to be able to afford the unique garment. Um, do we have talented designers that can cater to the, uh, you know, lower income levels or are these the people who go to retail? Who shops where? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I think Aisha. that that goes back to knowing your market. So it's not necessarily a matter of the mass or the low income group doesn't want something pretty. You can still have your your creativity mm -hmm. there, but maybe just looking at at. I mean, that's why the for us the home studio wasn't necessarily um, cutting costs in terms of making our garment more cost effective. For us, we use the home studio to make sure that we can go full force and have all the bells and whistles to create a luxury garment. Mm -hmm. Whereas you could now take another design and say, if you're doing a home studio, maybe you can cut back on your rental, provide something that is maybe well-priced instead of going full, getting all the bells and whistles. You could still get a, a good garment that still looks good and still has your your uh, creative flair to it. Uh, it doesn't, there's no limitations in, in my, and it, and it doesn't mean that a low-cost garment doesn't need creativity or any inspiration. That's it's true. Because, like we said, we yeah. all made yeah. a garment. I, well, I, I also did. In fact, <laughs> when we were young, you know, uh, and we made it ourselves so that it was cost effective. Mm. So, whether you shop at a retail store boutique or wait for the pop ups and visit your preferred designer studio or home studio, make sure that your choice of clothes is local because if there is one thing we all agree on here in the studio, is that we all support our local designers and definitely want to see them succeed. It's been a wonderful and highly informative discussion with my guests, but time has come mm. for us to say. Goodbye. So thank you, Anita Stanbury, Nashita Joseph Kamish, Aisha Ali, and Leila Bardin. Thank you to each of you for coming in. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you for having Join me again next Monday, same time, 10 past one year on the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. For Cover Mode, I'm Rashan Isaacs.